2023 marks the 20th year of awarding John Monash scholarships. John Monash scholars are exceptional individuals with intelligence, tenacity, courage, and talent seeking to challenge perspective through the arts and music to solve the great challenges of tomorrow through the whole range of research endeavours relevant to Australia's future, including medical research, innovations in renewable energy, social injustice, future technologies and the law. Celebrating the diversity in industry, today we spotlight Abby Rajkuma, Bridget Dunn and Kari Walker, three 2023 John Monash Scholarship Law graduates who are embarking on alternate postgraduate degrees in their pursuit to bring a global perspective to the communities they serve. It's my great pleasure to welcome them all to the podcast today. Abby, Bridget and Kari, welcome to the show. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. Well, I've never had three on the podcast before. I've had two, but never three. So we're making a little bit of history today. I might start uh, with you, Abby. Can I begin by asking what motivated you to take a career break and study a postgraduate degree overseas? And what are you studying and where are you going to be studying? I worked full-time throughout my law degree, so I've been working for about 10 years now and I got to a point in my career where I felt like in order to make a bigger difference and, to be honest, in order to be someone who I thought people were going to listen to, and I mean ministers and senior members of um, senior senior staff at government departments, um, I felt like I needed a bit more credibility um, in my I guess, experience. And I felt like I would be able to do that by getting a master's degree. Um, And so I started um, doing a bit of research about what that might entail. And having worked at kind of the intersect of justice and politics and policy, um, I came across the Masters of Public Administration at the Harvard Kennedy School, and it felt like a really good fit for me. Um, And Thankfully and luckily, that's where I'll be heading. Fantastic. And Bridget, how about you? My path is a bit different. I was living and working in Myanmar for the last three years. Wow. Um, working for a small human rights NGO there. Before that, I worked for Legal Aid as a criminal defence lawyer and it's sort of been a bit of micro and macro. So when I was working at Legal Aid, I was doing a lot of like um, bail applications and drink driving pleas and, you know, the kind of run-of-the-mill stuff at the magistrate's court. But in Myanmar, I was working on justice system reform for the whole country, albeit in difficult circumstances and without a lot of progress. And I think for me, a master's seemed like a good way to kind of bridge the gap between the practical everyday stuff and the kind of higher level policy, how do we progress things kind of level. And so I am going to do a master's of criminal justice policy at the London School of Economics starting in September. Fantastic. And Kari, how about you? Uh, So I have always wanted to do a Master's of Law. I remember my law degree. I was really hungry for a little bit more um, of an analytical approach um, to sort of legal education um, and a bit more of a critique um, of the justice system. And we really really didn't have that um, at my law school. 
Um, so I'm hoping to go to the US and learn about um, the ways in which the law has been used as a tool of harm, but then also how the law can be used to um, create and uphold justice for certain communities. I'm also working, so I'm working as a lawyer um, at the First Peoples Assembly of Victoria, so I'm working on the Victorian treaty process, mm-hmm. um, and we're currently contemplating reforms that, you know, haven't been considered before in Australia. So I think there's this real value in going overseas and learning um, from, you know, the best and most innovative forms of um, human rights protections to hopefully bring that home um, to Australia. And I'm going to be studying a Master's of Law at Harvard. Fantastic. So a follow-up question to that, and maybe we can start with, with you, Bridget. How do you think this experience of you getting the scholarship and then taking your skills overseas, studying overseas, doing a, a postgraduate degree, how is that hopefully going to help you, benefit you as a lawyer back in Australia? So for me, it's the particular course that I think is really helpful. It's focused on criminal justice policy in quite a practical way. Most criminal justice courses either are very law focused or they're focused on like how to become an academic criminologist, which is not really my interest area, a more practical person. But this course fairly uniquely is like, what are the policy problems? What's stopping us from having more functional criminal justice systems that punish vulnerable people? or, you know, find ways to help vulnerable people in the processes. Um, And so that's really of interest to me. And I think being able to take time to really focus on those themes, figure out how they they all work, how they all fit together, and then how they could apply back in Australia is is time that I wouldn't otherwise take um, to learn. And so I think that's that's where the real value, like that focus time is where the real value is for me. And how about you, Kari? What do you think? I think probably the benefits are twofold. So firstly, it will um, develop my legal skills um, and in particular my understanding of um, First Nations rights and law in the United States. I think there's so much that we can learn from our First Nations brothers and sisters um, and, you know, to bring the, that knowledge back to Australia and, you know, build upon um their hard-fought rights um, and secondly I think it will strengthen my voice um, as an Aboriginal woman so um, I know um, at Harvard and all US law schools they employ the Socratic method and you know in the classroom it's not just about you know what the law says it's you know you're asked to um, sort of advocate on what you think the law should be and um, so I think that sort of you know holistic approach to legal education will um you know, strengthen my advocacy skills. And Abby? Um, I think the benefits, um, again, are, are really broad in the sense that um, I've now spent four years up here in the Northern Territory and have been exposed to, I guess, just realising um, how much change can be made just by really small things changing. Um, and I guess coming to that realisation that actually some things aren't that difficult, they're just not happening. And I think um, what I'm most excited about in terms of doing a Masters of Public Administration is being surrounded by people from across the world that are trying to fix large problems by, I guess, implementing workable and practical solutions and knowing that I'll be able to bounce off ideas with people who Mm. are kind of, you know, thinking about the same things that I am and dealing with the same issues I am, obviously noting that there'll be kind of differences. 
Um, but also just the fact that the program is so um, multidisciplinary. It's not just about, okay, this is a justice issue. What is the right kind of answer? It's how do we feed all, all of the different aspects that come together in relation to policy? Um, how do we feed them all together in order to come up with a solution that not only sounds good, but actually works in practice and can be funded and implemented accordingly? Um, and I think, again, that's something that I wouldn't be able to do unless I went overseas to study. And it's something that I wouldn't be able to bring back um, if I wasn't, you know, given the opportunity to go and do that. So I'm, I'm really looking forward um, to having that opportunity. When do you all start your degrees? When do you start, start your study? How does it work? Abby starts first. <laughs> yeah, when do you start, Abby? Really soon, right? I do start soon. Um, the program that I'm doing is a mid-career program. So um, it recognises that a lot of us haven't been at uni for a long time and, and some of us, like me, didn't spend a lot of time doing economics and mathsy courses. So <laughs> I'll be spending six weeks um, commencing in early July doing like a bridging course. Um, it's, yeah, it's called the summer program, but basically a course to get you ready for the actual semester. Dust off the cobwebs. That's exactly right. <laughs> and, and they need dusting. <laughs> I was reading uh, earlier this week some of the course outlines and it turns out three of the subjects have closed book exams. I just thought, oh, my God. Oh, no. I have closed book exam for like 11 years. <laughs> <It was> terrifying. <laughs> I haven't been to uni for a, a long time. Are you, are you scared about the prospect of just on that point of going back and having to study and learn new things and exams and <laughs> doing assignments? Does it freak you out? I'm excited about it. I think I'm not thrilled about the exam prospect, but I think it'll be fun. Like it feels like quite a holiday to go and just learn stuff. It's like such a treat to be able to spend time doing that when normally you kind of bog down in the realities of work. So I think it'll be great. Have any of you uh, lived or studied overseas before? I'm keen to know, uh, where, obviously, uh, me and Ma, but um, when and where? Give us give us some experiences of what it's like. I did my um, exchange semester in Singapore. So I studied at the National University of Singapore and did international law and um, development studies over there and absolutely loved it, um, loved kind of being in the hub of Asia and being able to travel and um, <laughs> be amongst some pretty intelligent people. So that was fantastic. Um and then I spent three months living um, in La uh, in London, working at Latham and Watkins, doing mergers and acquisitions. And I'm so grateful I did it because it taught me very quickly how much I hated it <laughs> and how much I wouldn't ever revisit the corporate world. What about you, Carrie? Um, I did my last semester of law school um, at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, which is amazing. Um, and I got to do most of my subjects in First Nations rights. Um, and I absolutely loved it. And it felt quite indulgent just, you know, spending six months overseas learning from amazing scholars. Um, and it really felt like the pressure was off um, because it was my last year of law school and I'd already gotten a job. So it was a, yeah, it was a great. Good so, times. Yeah. <laughs> How long are your degrees? Obviously, they probably vary a little bit, but we're we talking that couple of years three years like what's um what's the timetable i think it's all a year mine's one year i think we're all one year right yeah. One year. so the the question is next you've done your study hopefully you've nailed it you've come um you've come through with flying colors what then is the plan and how do you plan to use what you've learned back in australia 
for the for the benefit of obviously the people you're trying to help? Well, I'm planning on coming back to the assembly to continue working on the treaty process. So um, when I come back, the statewide treaty negotiations will just have commenced and it's intended that the assembly um, as a representative body for First Peoples will negotiate the statewide treaty. So I'm hoping to come back and um, continue um, working and advocating for treaty. How about you, Bridget? What's the plan? For me, I want to get back into legal practice, but I want to do it in a more strategic way than um, previously. So I guess uh, I want to be less at the coalface and more kind of being able to combine practice with advocacy. Advocacy, not just legal advocacy, but in the sense of like advocating for law reform. So um, I'm hoping to go to the bar and become barrister, but also work um, really closely with justice reform NGOs to look at like ways in which the criminal justice system could be operating better. And I think I really agree with Abby's point from before that it's not that there are massive mysteries in why isn't it working. I think we know that there are lots of problems and we also know what are some of the solutions, but it's also a question of getting uh, momentum behind it and funding and, and buy-in um, and that, that those are some of the challenges that I'm interested in tackling. Good answer, Abby. Over to you. What what are you What are you thinking? What's the What's the plan? The plan is to come back to beautiful Darwin, and um, I'm not quite sure at this stage if I'll go back to being a crown prosecutor. Um, I think my heart still very much lies um, in justice policy, and so I think, given the recent announcements in relation to justice reinvestment and the amount of work that the federal government's doing in that space, um, I think it'll be really exciting and really important to work. Um, in the centre of justice reinvestment here in the Northern Territory um, and hopefully um, work towards the Territory being a really great example of what can be possible. I think we're really, obviously, we've got some pretty massive challenges, but I think we're lucky in the sense that we're a small enough jurisdiction where you can make big, you can make big risks, I guess, and take big risks and um, use it as like a learning opportunity. And I think... Um, yeah, coming back to work in the centre of justice reinvestment and reforms in that space would be very much what I'm planning on doing. If you look at where you're going to study, the countries that you're going to study, I want you to have a think about some of the big differences between the legal systems there and the cultures in the countries where you plan to study and um, how it's different to the jurisdiction here in Australia. Have you got any um, observations on the differences between Australia and the countries in which you're, you're planning to study? Abby, I might, I might come back to you. Um, well, <laughs> I think the US is its kind, kind of own little beast in relation to justice issues. I think they, they obviously vary from state to state, um, which is both interesting and also horrifying. Um, and so I think it's going to be interesting being based at Harvard to see like kind of which specific aspects of the law they focus on and, and how they integrate that into their curriculum because I wouldn't even really know where they, at this stage, where they start in terms of, um, you know, because I'll be doing a couple of courses at the law school um, and it'd be interesting to see what they focus on. But in terms of differences, I think obviously the challenges that Aboriginal Territorians face um, are incredibly unique and so it'll be interesting for me to see if there are actually similar um, comparisons that can be made in jurisdictions in the states. Um, I'm, obviously, there are some, but if it's to the same extent, I think um, remains to be seen. I think we've got a huge amount of um, opportunity in terms of 
making sure that our programs are culturally appropriate, for example, um, that is that is slightly different to the challenges that they face in America, which is dealing with the African-American um, incarceration rate, which is obviously incredibly high. But, but I do think that there are different challenges. So it will be interesting, I think, um, to examine that and to see what learnings can be brought back in terms of alternatives to custody and how they've managed to, I, I guess, invest in and promote preventative justice, so stopping people from entering the justice system in the first place. And, Kari, you're heading to the US as well. Um, maybe we'll come to you for, for your helicopter view of the differences between Australia and the US when it comes to legal matters. Sure. Um, I think Abby summed it up pretty well. Um, I think what I'm interested in exploring is how there's much more open conversations in the United States around how the law is informed by um, ideas of race. Um, and in Australia, we don't really have conversations about how our laws, institutions um, and policies are informed by race um, and racist logic. Um, and I think in America as well, there are much um, more progressed discussions around the role of lawyers in promoting and upholding social change. Um, and I don't, so I'm, yeah, interested in exploring how, um, you know, lawyers can be part of this movement to um, address issues of political and economic inequality and, um, you know, really empower their clients in legal issue in the legal issues they're facing. They're certainly more talkative when they come out of court, I've noticed <laughs> that. <laughs> and, and Bridget, what, what are your thoughts here? Demographically, there are some differences and we've kind of, I guess, had a hundred years of our own evolution, but Australian law cleaves pretty closely to UK law still. And I think a lot of the traditions of our system are carbon copies from the UK. And until the eighties, we followed, you know, House of Lords precedents and so on. So I think like there's a lot of similarities and that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this course in particular, because those similarities will really help inform my experience in Australia and be informed by my experience in Australia, I guess. Um, but one good thing about LSE is that it's extremely, it's an extremely international uni. And so there'll be lots of people from around the world coming with different perspectives, um, which I hope will be, make it quite a meaty experience in terms of looking for mm. comparisons and looking for what's working and what's not working and where the tensions are in, in how to, um, yeah, how to kind of face policy challenges. So you're all amongst a, a handful of people across Australia who were lucky enough to be awarded the John Monash Scholarship. So as a result, as a consequence of winning or being awarded the scholarship, have, have any of your career goals and aspirations ch now changed as a result of the scholarship? I'm keen to hear your perspective on that. Um, I can go. I think not necessarily that it's changed, but that it's found a new kind of avenue to flow through, I suppose. And this is an opportunity that I wouldn't have undertaken without the help of the scholarship. I, I wouldn't have been able to afford it and I wouldn't have been able to take the time out of, of regular mm. life. Um, I think whilst it's in many ways an exceptional opportunity to do something quite different, it's also a way to kind of... <laughs> We don't want to use the word harness, but harness my existing interests and like channel them into something in particular that I could then kind of bring back with me. So 
um, I don't think it's it's a divergence in terms of like where I will be and 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 what I'll be doing, but it's the same kind of things that I've always been interested in, and and um, getting to do them is a real treat. So well said. How about you, Kari? Um, I don't know if they've changed yet. I think one thing that did change when I got the scholarship was the universities that I applied for. Um, so when I um, applied for the scholarship, I said I wanted to study Masters of Law at Columbia University in New York. When I got the scholarship, um, it made me realise that Harvard was an option. Um, so I put in an application and just thought I'd see how it went. Um, and obviously I got in. Um, so I think that, yeah, getting the scholarship really pushed me to um, you know, apply myself and see what um, you know, opportunities are out there. Um, and I think all of our career goals and aspirations will really change um, once we complete our degrees overseas. I would think so. Abby, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I'm not sure if they've necessarily changed, but they've certainly um, been, been kind of broadened and, and the opportunities that I now have um, are a direct result of the scholarship. So I think um, having the, the privilege to spend a year studying and learning and focusing on um, these kinds of challenges and, and, and what I actually want to do and what my skills are and what my values are, I think you know, very few people have that privilege. So that's a really exciting opportunity. Um, but also it's hard to think in a really exciting way. It's hard to think about what's going to happen after because I just think innately we're all going to be exposed to so many brilliant people doing really exciting and meaningful and impactful work. Um, and even the idea of partnering with people that are also working in the justice space Um that I would have only met because of this opportunity um, really, really excites me. So I think um, I'm with Kari. I think generally what I want to do is staying the same, but the way that I get there and, and, and what that actually looks like, I know will change. Are any of you planning to work while you're studying overseas? Like I got this email from the uni saying that there was like, if you sign up to be a halls warden, you get free accommodation. I was like, interesting. But then I realised it would mean like essentially supervising 18 year olds who are leaving home for the first time I was like maybe this is not a good <laughs> not for me yeah <laughs> I think no is the short answer no I just yeah I think the the chance to have time to focus on the studies the the main focus for me yeah yeah and I think there's going to be so many different um things going on outside of um, the classes that you're taking, like different events. You're back at uni. Hey, who needs it? Yeah. What do you need to work for? I think some pretty amazing people come and speak at Harvard. So it would be great to just lap up all those opportunities. I'm keen to find out from from all of you what the application process was like. I've, I've heard that it's, that it's arduous, it's scary, it's almost having a, a job in and of itself going through it and you know the interviews and then the phone call what was what was all of that like for for all of you I kind of <laughs> talked myself out of applying because I didn't think I had a shot and so I just had completely put it aside and then it was like a few days into the lead up of the John Monash um applications closing and I reached out to my university mentor and I said oh maybe I should apply and she said, absolutely not. You've left it way too late. Wait till next year um, and do a proper application because they'll remember <laughs> your crappy application. And I thought, oh, all right. And then for some reason, and this is why I very much still believe in the power of the universe, um, 
I woke up in the morning that applications were due and I thought, no, I'm just going to do it because I don't want to waste any more time and I'm just going to do it. And I was so lucky that my three referees were so um, generous and and, um, obviously were so good to me that they took time out of their day that day to quickly wrap um, (laughs) write a letter and um, I kind of got home from work at five and stayed up all night and you know what I actually think that the pressure of having to write it in one night meant that I was really genuinely honest and I didn't like overthink answers and so in retrospect I'm thinking that that may have actually been a good thing I certainly wouldn't suggest it to anyone (laughs) (laughs) but that part was the worst because I remember like watching the clock tick down to midnight and just thinking, I've just got to get it in. Um, but yes, very weird and unique story in that sense. But um, the interview process was a lot more um, <laughs> stressful because you had like, this, yeah, and this lead up of time and you knew it was coming. And um, for me, I was incredibly scared as to like, you know, who's going to be in the room. And um, yeah, so that was really, really daunting. Um, but my Northern Territory interview, I walked in and because it's Darwin, I knew a couple of the people on, on the panel, so that was really like familiar faces, yeah. Um, and the Sydney one was, again, really daunting because all interview processes are, but just knowing that you're up against so many um, inspiring people doing such important work um, was really, really daunting. But um, I think what's really important for prospective um, applicants to remember is that everything about the Monash Foundation is supportive and nurturing and um, everyone, even when they ask you like a semi-tricky question, is still doing it because they have your best interests at heart. So, you know, every single part of the process, whilst innately um, and unavoidably stressful, um, was still a really brilliant part of the entire experience. And what was your experience, Bridget? So I applied um, whilst we were still in Myanmar. So um, I also remember stressfully checking the time difference from Myanmar to Australia being like, do I still have time to submit? Oh, my God. Um, so that was a bit stressful. Um, and then because I was overseas, my, I did my interviews on Zoom, but um, the panel were all in one room, which meant that they were all tiny on my laptop screen. So I actually couldn't see anyone's faces. You can't read the language. Yes which was really stressful because I couldn't tell, like I couldn't read their body language cues. I couldn't figure out if they were listening to me or if they were writing notes or whatever. So I just had no idea how it had gone. And then when I got the second round interview, I was like, oh, that's so surprising. I don't really, like I didn't expect it. And then I was like, oh, okay. But then the second round interview was at 6 a.m. Myanmar time. So I had to wake up at like five to get ready and (laughs) sort of out of my mind with like morning kind of like stress. And and then it was the same thing, but there were six people on the panel. So they were even smaller. (laughs) (laughs) Who are these people? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, okay, (laughs) I could have just done it on the phone. But it was, I like, when the interviews actually started, despite the kind of like, worry about how it would go everyone was really friendly and it was actually a good conversation despite the technology kind of hindering us from from exchanging views so yeah I think um it was it's sort of like a a more stressful job application I guess because the stakes are a bit wider and and also I think it's it's an interesting process because anyone can apply which means that you know anyone from any discipline can apply which means that you don't really know how much the interview panel will know about your area, which I think then makes it much more a conversation about, you know, who you are, what you think about 
you know, future challenges, what you think about leadership, what you think about these big issues, which is kind of a much more personal conversation in lots of ways. So that was really interesting. How about you, Kari? Well, I wish I was as efficient as Abby and could have done it in six hours. I'm now embarrassed to admit how much time I spent on my application. Um, I remember thinking if I didn't get the scholarship, I would be still really grateful because you learnt so much about yourself um, throughout the process. Um, but I'm sure if someone had told me that if I didn't get it, I would have probably slapped them. Um, but, no, I think uh, I remember so it was a piece of advice that I would give to other people. Um, so when I was doing my application, I remember looking at everyone's bios of the previous scholars and thinking, wow, they are so amazing. You know, there's no chance of me getting this. Um, and, yes, everybody is amazing and outstanding and phenomenal um, people, but I would say don't let that deter you um, because we can all um, write an amazing <laughs> 150 words about ourselves and, you know, it, um, you should still apply. Um, but, no, I, I got a lot out of the process. Um, I found the interviews, they were really quick Um you leave and you're like, I don't even know what they asked me. <laughs> <Got everything>. <laughs> <laughs> what was that all about? <laughs> yeah, what, what did I even say? How are they going to make a decision after speaking um, with me for such a short amount of time? Um, but, no, I, I, I did get a lot out of it. It did take a bit of time, but it was a really worthwhile process. Well, maybe we can um, finish up on a, on a question that flows on from that. So, and, you, and you've touched on it in your answer there, Kari. What advice would you give to other people, um, potentially people listening to this, who are considering taking a career break? to study abroad, to gain a global perspective and then to come back to Australia. Um, what's what's your advice about whether they should apply for the scholarship? What have you got to lose? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think um, don't underestimate yourself. A lot of us are um, probably our most uh, our biggest critics at times and I think um, remembering who you are and, and what you think is important and what you're working towards is really important because at the end of the day, the John Monash Scholarship is really all about supporting individuals who want to make a difference to Australia. And I think if you're someone who has always thought that that kind of lies at the core of who you are and what you want to do with your career, then you're already in the game. And so, you know, it's really important that you kind of just believe in yourself enough to, yeah, give it a crack. And I think going through the process is a really helpful way of clarifying what you do want to do, even if you don't ultimately get a scholarship and go overseas. Because you have to kind of grapple with what, like, how do I distill this thing into, like, its core elements? Like, what is it that I'm interested in? What is it that I'm passionate about? How do I make it real? And even if it doesn't end up that you become a scholar, although mm. obviously we would all hope that everyone would, then it, it's just a helpful way of, like, it's like a helpful kind of streamlining process of, like, how do I, fig how do I kind of cut through all of this stuff and find out what the core is. And I found that really helpful as part of the process. Kari, any final thoughts on that? Um, I think what Abby said earlier about sort of being yourself and being really true to yourself and honest is great advice. Um, and I think if you can share a bit about, you know, who you are as a person, not just, you know, what you've done and sort of your work, but, you know, what makes you tick, um, what makes, you know, um, you you really, um, I think that sort of insight will get, 
um, will be really helpful for the panel um, when reviewing your applications. Um, but yeah, really just go for it. Um, jump in with, um, you know, Gusto. Jump in with both feet. What's that expression? Yeah, yeah I think I know what you mean. <laughs> and, and give it your all. I think um, I imagine it's, you know, obvious when, you know, somebody is sort of, um, you know, not given it their all um, and, you know, go into the interviews prepared um, and be true to yourself. But, yeah, I think definitely apply. Very well said. Well, Abby, Bridget, Kari, it's been a real honour talking with you today. Thank you so much for your insights and your time and best of luck in your studies, your adventures overseas. We will follow your progress with great interest and we can't wait for you to, to come back to Australia after your successful study. So thank you very much and all the very best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.